So, you wanna talk sports? Well, that's too bad, because you're gonna listen to me and Marshall talk about sports anyway. That's right. And that's right. right. I've, I've heard all your complaints about the intro, so if you wanted to hear me and Marshall talk about sports, then you've come to the right place. Yeah. I'm Mitchell Kaminsky. Welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. Uh, I'm Marshall Macchiluso. Here we'll give you this week's rundown of the top leagues. Who's hot, who's not? Hot topics of the week. Let's get right into it. Also, that song, just a little tribute to Mariano Rivera. Yes. First, uh... First Hall of Famer to get voted in unanimously. That happened about two hours ago. We'll get more on that, but start yeah, us off. We got Mitch. Well, what a week of NFL championship football. We had two tremendous overtime games with a, a little bit of controversy at the end of the Saints-Rams game. Just, just a little bit, uh, to say the least. Uh, while the Saints were trying to run out the clock, the, the refs missed a blatant pass interference call that uh, would have given the Saints a first down and essentially ended the game, sending them to the Super Bowl. May have been one of the worst non-calls we have ever seen in today's ticky-tack league, or one of the worst non-calls in playoff history, to be completely honest. It was completely butchered. It was blasphemous. Blasphemous. Saints, blasphemous. Saints fans are upset. Sports books are, uh, sports bookies down in New Orleans are refunding bets for people that bet on the Saints. There are cries that the game needs to be replayed. The Saints are suing the NFL, saying it has no integrity, and we were robbed of a Drew Brees versus Tom Brady Super Bowl. But it wasn't because of this call, and all you joining in the Saints pity party can shove it because you don't know what you're talking about. First off, an organization that is responsible for Bounty Gate wants to talk about integrity. Like, give me a break. No offense, but I'm not going to listen to a coach who got himself and his owner suspended because they were offering money to injure other players intentionally. The better team won this game. But because this is America, when you're not successful, you blame the refs because you lost. You blame your boss because you're lazy. You blame your teacher because you wrote a terrible essay. Blame Marshall because I'm obnoxious and the ratings stink. Blame the NFL because the blame the NFL because you can't uh, close out a game and the crowd noise can only hide your flaws for so long. New Orleans had 50 rushing yards, 50 with, with unacceptable with Alvin Kamara, Pro Bowler, and Mark Ingram in the backfield. 50 rushing yards at home, and 50 was all the kid muster. They settled for field goals early when the Rams had more turnovers than first downs. The turnover that they got, literally, they gave it to them in the red zone, and they couldn't capitalize. The Rams could not audible because of the crowd noise, which puts them at a huge disadvantage. He couldn't hear Sean McVay in the play calls. You could tell they were flustered early. And the Aints averaged 4.5 yards per play, easily the lowest out of the four remaining teams in their NFC Championship games. Todd Gurley, the Rams' best player, got benched, and Sean Payton passed the ball late instead of running it, and I don't know what the hell he was thinking, but hey, it's the refs. And oh yeah, your Hall of Fame quarterback got outplayed by Jared Goff, especially in the fourth quarter. After the blown blown call, and yes, the ref did miss a call, but that's what makes sports great. We have humans officiating, and they make mistakes sometimes. You You got the ball in the first overtime, and you threw an interception. Sean Payton got outcoached, and Drew Brees got outplayed. So be mad at them, too. But Mitchell, they blew the call, and this needs to be fixed. There are, there are calls that pass interference should be reviewed now, which I think is ridiculous. Okay, enjoy every big play. Uh, but the most, some of the most exciting moments of the game. Oh, touchdown. They take the lead. Being interrupted because of an audio auto challenge because nothing was called. You want to review stuff that wasn't called. That is ridiculous. The game's biggest complaint in the NFL all year long was, oh, too many penalties, roughing the passer. This is ridiculous. The NFL's soft, way too many flags. And I agree, there are a lot of flags. So the NFL listened, and they refs, and they told the refs, and they made a conscious decision to let the boys play this weekend. We're not calling anything. The AFC game was the highest rated in 40 year, 42 years. Do you want to know why? It wasn't because of that huge market in Kansas, I'll tell you that. It's because it was a great game that flowed well and was easy to watch. There were only five penalties in the first three quarters. The refs also missed a ton of penalties against the Saints. No one's talking about that, as I posted on our Twitter page. While catching a pass, a cook, Brandon Cooks got dragged down by a face mask, and a Saints player stepped on a guy in overtime, and the Saints ran a play in the red zone well after the play clock expired. They had another earlier in the game before the half where Dendamakin Sue was seen jumping up and down, pointing at the game clock, but nothing was slowed uh, before the play. Uh, but we're not talking about that because it's recency biased. I got news for you. Human error, error is part of the game. Baseball added a review system, and now the games are frequently interrupted, and we're robbed of seeing managers argue in great exchanges like this one that I'm about to play with Earl Weaver. America, take a deep breath. Uh, yo, shit. 
Yeah, that's right. You, you want to be robbed with exchanges <laughs> like this? It's sports. It's human error. That's what I got for you. The Saints got no one to blame about themselves. So, I will say one thing: they were not letting the boys play in the AFC Championship. Like you, you brought up first three quarters, but then there was the fourth quarter where we had that uh, roughing the passer, where there was pretty much no contact whatsoever. I will say one thing though. Now, granted, in this, this is not a debate. I am not taking the other side. Because we talked, we talked about Cody Parkey. Like we both, we both kind of came to the consensus: Bears didn't lose because of Cody Parkey. Where it's easy to say, like you know, we're talking about how, like you know, the offense couldn't produce. The Nick Foles marched on the field. You know, there's a lot of other opportunities. I will say though that you, I think uh, referees in the NFL have been pretty much bad all year. So you can't really say the Saints are the only victim because I think all teams have can kind of say they played victim to the uh, this. You know, not great NFL officiating, especially early in the year. We had that whole like roughing the passer uh, fiasco. But I will say, if if you look at the quote um, by uh, Roby Coleman, the the guy who committed the non pass interference, he said, "quote Oh hell yeah, that was pi." And basically, he said he was supposed to be covering running back Alvin Kamara, but upon the snap, he passed him off to a safety, and he said, "quote I just know I got there before the ball." I wasn't even going for the interception. I whacked his ass, end quote. And I will say, on this play, because this isn't a haphazard call. The play, and Now, we talk about how Jared, or, uh, not Jared, uh, Sean McVay is like this genius coach. If, Sean, if the situations were flipped, Sean McVay does that. If he gets a complete pass, we would all hail him as the greatest coach in how, you know, he's got the biggest balls in the NFL, which I do agree. Sean McVay is a great coach, but we... Those are plays where if it, if it works, they're the biggest genius on the planet. Where it doesn't work, he's an idiot. And I will say, I think the play, the Saints, it's a com- huge gamble. Should they have taken it? I don't know if they should have. That's not what I'm here to address. I'm saying they did call a good play because if, if, if the, the the corner there had to pass, it's a good play. I don't think it, it was almost picked. If the guy turned around, that ball is easily intercepted. It was thrown behind the receiver. He probably would have caught it anyway. No, no, no. no. Every if he if he we, we do the same thing can be called for the back pylon and, uh, end zone fade. It could be picked, but you're either going for a PI or you're going to get a completed pass or an incomplete pass. Okay, so say even if you can... Uh, the fact that you're not running the ball there to run out the clock... Is okay, the there's, a minute, there's a minute 50. Rams have two timeouts. So you're going to kick the field goal. The Rams are about going to have, what, a minute... 15, minute 10. Imagine this NFL that's, that's still, that's still march down the that's field. That's plenty of time. The Chiefs did it. The yeah. Chiefs did exactly that. So you, you, the whole running out the clock argument isn't that great. I'm just... My point is that the NFL officiating... And you I think you said that there's like human reps. I don't think that's a good thing. I think... Uh, I will get to this later. But soccer has done a very good job. Now granted, it's apples and oranges. But I think in this, uh, in this instance, the, the refs should be objective. It was clear. It was It was black. It, this is nothing to do with subjectivity. This is black-white. There is pass interference. There's not pass interference. This was. And that's where the Saints have a huge gripe. Now, granted, I, I think them getting, quote-unquote, robbed, I don't think that's a very good term. I think they should be severely disappointed. I think the refs... Or the, the, the fans, we should be disappointed as well. You can be disappointed all you want, but these fans wanting a recall for the game and suing the NFL, like, stop it. You got the ball first in overtime, and you couldn't score. You threw a pick. You blew it. You were up 13 at home. They could not audible. The guy, the offense looked discombobulated. He couldn't hear any of the play calls, and you somehow blew that lead. There was only so long the crowd could hide your team's flaws because your offense really hasn't been that good all year. Second half of the year after that Cowboys game, Drew Brees, if you look at his numbers, has been dinking and dunking all over the field. They can't throw the ball downfield. The fact that they only had 50 rushing yards in a playoff home playoff game is ridiculous. That's like... So the coaching, he was out-coached, not even just on that one play, which I think was a terrible play call. And we saw this earlier in the year with Sean McVay where he tried to get cute and throw it in the Monday night game against the Chiefs. And it almost came back to bite yeah. him in the butt because there was an incompletion and they had to punt. So I'm not saying that they should blame. I think that this should, this, I, I, as a fan, I was highly disappointed at what happened here uh, simply because that, that's a tainted win. 
No matter what way you look at it, that's a tainted win. No, because the better team won. That is not a tainted win whatsoever. If, okay, if you look at it, though, like, let's say, let's say, if this call is cor- called correctly, the Saints win the game. Most likely, yes. Yes. So, what I'm, I'm saying, I'm, that's, but, that's saying the better team may or may not have won, but that better team doesn't always win. And so, if, if the game is called, if this one play is called correctly, which it should have in black and white, Saints are going to the Super Bowl. But it didn't happen, I don't think. Uh, well, you you did the suit, so the suit. Uh, this is more humorous than uh, much of a serious talking point. But uh, the the damages in the Saints ticket holder lawsuit against Roger Goodell in the NFL include mental anguish and emotional trauma, loss of faith in the NFL, loss of enjoyment in life, loss of entertainment, and disgust of the game. Now, disgust as, of the game. As, this is the same franchise that did Bounty Gate. As someone, like, shut up, you. St- Stupid, ignorant fans. Like you, I mean, I don't think you that's blew very, it. I don't think that's a very good point, but I'm saying uh, for all those, as a someone who's played the Patriots as a Broncos fan nearly every year, and has been personally victimized by them multiple times. I feel the same way whenever I lose to the to uh, in a playoff game. So, like, congrats and fans, this is the game of football. But yeah, uh, we're gonna. I'm, so that was, I guess, we're gonna get right into the NFL, which is what we've been talking about. But just to give some stat lines. Obviously, the Rams beat the Saints, 26-23. Jared Goff had 297 yards and a touchdown and a pick. Drew Brees had 249 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. And going, so we'll start with just the game itself. I think, first of all, like you said, they missed opportunities is what kind of what happened here. The Saints uh, should have produced better. I think Michael Thomas was very disappointing this game uh, and showed why. I mean, we kind of talked about his rating as a receiver. Uh and which is, I think, there were some people calling for him to be like a tier one. Two. See, I, I saw one thing saying that he was top three, and that to this game sh- showed why he is not. He's just some guy that Drew Brees knows to a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not a bad receiver, but yeah. they exploited uh, Marcus Peters that matchup the first time yeah. they met, and he vowed it wouldn't happen again, and it didn't. Yeah. Drew Brees, I didn't think, played particularly well either. So let's yeah. not cut him. Now, mind you, the interception, his hand got hit. So that's yeah. not entirely on him. Because everybody looked like a bad pass, but he did get under pressure. But they weren't able to move the ball downfield that well no. at all. I don't think he looked that great. His two touchdowns, the one was like that screen pass. So it was kind of like a gimme. But yeah. there's so many things you can dissect that the Saints did wrong. They allowed the fake punt in their own territory. They stopped that. The game is basically over there because you have all the momentum yeah. and the ball in your own territory. The fact that they got the ball first in overtime in today's NFL and you couldn't score. The fact that you're at home, and I can't emphasize this enough, they they, they couldn't audible. They yeah. clearly could not hear. The crowd there was, noise there was, was the one where Jared Goff had to run out to his outside receiver and like tell him what to do. There, and yeah, they had to call the, a timeout. Cause it and he had the long. ear holes plugged or whatever so yeah. he could hear like, the play calls better. And they yeah. couldn't capitalize on any of it. You had the ball in your red. This is what happens when you settle for field goals early in the game. So yeah. Also, credit to Sean... Uh, McVay, late in the game there, they had a chance to um, oh, possibly take the goal. lead with the fourth and goal, and they yeah. kicked the short field goal. And there's, like, subtle genius there going with the guaranteed tie and trusting your defense. I, I give him I mean, a lot of credit I think that. I just, that if he did that, I think that would be the definition of getting too cute. Yeah. Because I think, like, just take the points, you know. Um, and and we, we've seen that, you know, come to bite other teams uh, throughout these playoffs. And th- this game was all the drama... Well, actually, both games were all the drama that we kind of wanted to see in the first two rounds. But yeah, I mean, I will. Alvin Kamara was basically like, if you look at like their successful drives, it was just out, what what can Alvin Kamara do out of the backfield? Well, the one they scored right after halftime. Well, you texted this to me too. At halftime. Yeah, like they, they got to get Kamara involved more. That last they came out of half, they finally started throwing to him. They got yeah. some production out of him. Mark Ingram had a couple pretty good runs, and I, but yeah, I think. Those two caliber backs, and you can only get 50 rushing yards at home. I guess this defense has been getting chewed up in the run game, too, yeah, the Rams. True. Like, they are not a good run-stopping defense. Their linebacking yeah. core is mediocre at best, and you get 50 rushing well, yards they, at they, home. They, they only gave up 40, good They only gave God. up 47 to Ezekiel Elliott. Now, that's true. They, so, they improved a little bit, but... They'll have to improve a lot. It's the rest in the Super Bowl that they lost. I do think... Biggest so, punch. I think if you look at soccer, uh, they have... VAR, video assistant referee, uh, in which they um, they they can they can look at non calls. They can look at uh, but this now granted there are less things to look at. It's basically offsides, uh, fouls, yellow or red card, uh, handballs, and that and then across if the ball crosses the goal. In which I think 
if you can do it correctly, I, I there's zero percent chance the NFL should do this for pass interference, especially for no non. Well, there's no way to do it, and like you, the the biggest complaint this year was penalties, and so the NFL listened and they told the refs to hold the flags. I don't think that constitutes bit. just missing blatant calls. I mean, if you okay, they made a mistake, all right, but like they they let them play throughout the game, and now ever this is what the fans asked for, and this is what happened. And as far as okay, it, I'm all for review systems on touchdowns and thing, and like in baseball, you want to get calls right, yeah. but there's certain things you shouldn't be able to review. Baseball with balls and strikes should not be able yeah. to review that. Same with foul balls. And the NFL scoring play should be reviews, but pass interference should simply not be yeah. reviews. There still should be some human element in the game of refereeing or umpiring. That's yeah. what makes sport. That's that's part of what makes sports great. That's why you can get you can get screwed by refs sometimes. Yeah. The guy in the Tigers, he had a no game, no hitter take a perfect game taken away because like a call for first base. It stinks, but that's sports. That's happens sometimes. Yeah. That's what makes it great. And I think, I mean, baseball, honestly, in my opinion, has done an atrocious job of the replay system because they take been so long. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, it just ruin the, the flow of the game. And I they think, have a pace of play problem to begin with. Yeah, and I think, I think going just this game, I think, I thought uh, in my prediction on Twitter, I kind of. My additional one was that both teams would score over 25 points, which came close. Um, but honestly, I thought it was going to be a shootout in which the QB... I mean, we, we talk about, I think, I think talent-wise, Drew Brees is a better quarterback. Um, no, no question. And it, when, it right comes down, when it comes to a shootout, it's usually just whoever has the better quarterback. Like, I mean, we saw this, like, Patriots and Chiefs in the earlier season. Better quarterback won out. Uh, and I think... I thought that's my... Uh, but yeah, I think you talked about um, the, the out-of-sync... For the Saints' offense, I think that kind of like wrapped up what they're doing because, and I mean, if you look at the Saints' offense, they really don't have any weapons besides Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. Like their I, receiving core is pretty bad. Ted Ginn's not awful. Ted Ginn is Ingram is, but with a Hall of he's Fame, like a C minus receiver. With a Hall of Fame quarterback, you should be averaging more than four point two yards. And they had this explosive I offense. Mean, and I said this last podcast, they peaked way too early. I said that at halftime too. There's only so long, like we're not at halftime. I tweeted like midway through the game. There's only so long that the Rams because the Rams I think are a better team talent wise. Yeah. It's only so long though, like the crowd can keep it up and hide all their flaws in offense. And I think it was. That's how the game ended up well, turning out. The they got you. They got used to the crowd. Once they started calm down and getting the rhythm on offense, the Rams. Goff, well, so quite frankly, the, outplayed the Drew Brees. The crowd has nothing to do with their offense. Sure. Well, no, it doesn't. It's silent. You should be capitalizing on your opportunities there because their defense well, gave it, you plenty. It, of, the defense and the crowd gave you plenty of opportunities early in that game to put them the, away. But when and you like, say crowd high, the, the flaws were on. Their defense played a pretty good job. I like the same. Both defenses were. They let them march up the field pretty easily on that last drive. Yeah, but I mean, you you talked about it. They were capitalizing early on, but, well, yeah. on their defense. But I think when you say the the crowd hid their flaws, the crowd can't hide offensive flaws. They can't. They gave them a lot of opportunities on offense early, and they couldn't. They, when you're yeah, taking field goals, that, that just that just shows. I think that shows. Oh, it totally the, did. fourth quarter once because once the Rams offense got going, then that then the, that's how they came back. Once they got used to the crowd noise and were able to settle in, finally it took about a quarter or so. Then they were they then it was basically over for the Saints. No, but yeah, so but I think I think that's what that was my the point. Bo- both of the arguments that the Saints peaked too early. I don't think that has anything doing do with this game, especially when the Saints had their bye. They had all they had two weeks to prepare for the Rams, and I think the the crowd noise. I mean, the defense played a good job. They 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 were for a majority of the game. They were playing well. Jared Goff and Sean McVay eventually figured it out, which I think was bound to happen no matter what was happening in this game. But I think, those, I think, like you were saying, it just came down to roster. I think defensively and offensively, I mean, I think it especially shows with the receivers. Uh, the receiving core of the Rams is vastly better. But I think when we talk about the running game for the Rams, that was a big, that was a huge issue. Todd Gurley sitting on the bench. C.J. Anderson came in to only rush for, for about 45 yards. Uh, oh yeah Um, and so yeah the Rams overall I think they're going to have to do a lot more uh, for the Super Bowl but I think their roster is good I I was I'm a little surprised that their defense isn't better than it is though looking at looking at the players that they have and I think I've been saying this all year that you you see all the free agency trades and signings they had and I think I think they should be they should have been performing better 
I mean, they played pretty well in that game. Sue, it wasn't, Dominic and Sue wasn't great during the regular season, but man, has he been pretty good during these playoffs. He was really good in the Cowboys game. He had two sacks in this game. As far as the Saints peaking too early, I think that was everything to do with this game. After the Cowboys game, where they only scored 10 points, there was a significant drop in their offense. That's all all I'm saying. They were not as good of a team this whole, they were overvalued. The major, the back half of the season of how good they were, like, and I think it showed in this game. They finally, they really yeah, I mean, did get exposed. They weren't, they weren't a Super Bowl caliber well, it's, it's team. Easy. I think they were playing to their strengths with the coaching staff a lot because I think Sean Payne is a great coach. He was besides besides the last couple where you can say it was a bad play call. I think he pl- called a pretty good game. The execution wasn't great. The slant, the first throw was an incomplete pass. Drew Brees just threw it in the dirt. It's a quick slant. That's a very high probability catch. He's going to get tackled in bounds. There's no way he goes out of bounds. You get five free yards, and it catches the team off guard. A good coach with that defense and the crowd noise behind you like it was, that, that you, you can't blow that game. And the passing it on... You sound like, well, you should look at the Bears. I mean, Matt Nagy's one of the best coaches in the NFL. He did the same As he thing. Knew, okay, first he off, though, he blew, it, he blew it in Kansas City, too. And I said that right after they lost. He was one of the people that had to be held accountable. And Sean Payton's a great coach, but he got outcoached by Sean McVay in this one. I think they, I mean, they he got outcoached by the second-best coach in the NFL. It's not saying a lot. Uh, he still did. With a Hall of Fame quarterback, though. Look who he had at quarterback. They had everything to their advantage. They, got, they had a better defense. They had the crowd. They had the Hall of Fame quarterback. They got a Pro Bowl running back. They had Cooks, who's a Pro Bowl caliber receiver. Equal. You have a Super Bowl winning head coach there, and you got the ball first in overtime. You had everything going to your advantage. So I'm sick of hearing your excuses about the refs. That's well, all. That's we're what I have to move say about on that. the Patriots and Chiefs game, which is equally as uh, dramatic. Patriots beat the Chiefs 37-31. Tom Brady had 348 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Sony Michelle had 113 yards, two touchdowns, and Patrick Mahomes. At 295 yards and three touchdowns, in which was honestly one of the better games that I've seen this NFL season. I think the Saints and the Rams game was dramatic. wasn't good football. Uh, this game was extremely fun to watch. Because both defenses made plays, but uh, overall, overall the offenses were kind of what everyone came to see, and they definitely produced. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a very good game, and it had a very nice flow to it. Very yeah. few penalties. Yeah, I, I will say, say though, throwing yeah. the passer was ridiculous. It was like he got wind on his eyelash because he got yeah. fanned too hard. So that was a that was a BS penalty. But um, yeah, Brady showed why he's one of the best of all time. Even after yeah. those two interceptions he threw, it wasn't yeah. rattled. Bounced back nicely. The way he commands that offense, that was like yeah. his signature. That was a signature playoff road win. Yeah, that he oh, can yeah. Add to the, and he was missing that he especially, can add to his resume. And especially with now, this is not I. I I, I was texting you. I was saying I, I've seen this. I've seen this movie way too many times. Um, just where I honestly had no doubt in my mind, uh, and this isn't even like a hot take. Like I feel like I think I think most people should have come to this conclusion. I had no doubt in my mind the Patriots going to win this game just by the way it was happening. Where especially with the Chiefs, they're celebrating after they score their touchdown with two minutes left, and the Patriots still had three timeouts. Yeah. And you could you they pan over to Tom Brady and he has no emotion. He just stands up, puts his helmet on. I was like, they're, they're so gonna composed. score. Well, yeah, especially when I went to overtime too, and we uh, we, we tweeted this out. It's like a coin toss is gonna decide this game. Yeah. The way both the offenses were. Yeah, rolling. like there. Were, I think I once the Patriots won the coin toss. It's like, yeah, this yeah. is over. Um, the Patriots defense though. They did a nice job holding Tariq Hill in check. Yeah, and that was their problem. Catch. And yeah, exactly. And that's their problem. Week one, and this is Peter King reporting this. Like, their Bill Belichick made a conf- conscious effort to take uh, Travis Kelsey out of the game, so that yeah. was their focus. And he wasn't going to make that same mistake this time. And Travis yeah. Kelsey, honestly, he didn't have that great of a game either. He did catch the one touchdown, but other than that, he didn't do a whole lot. So they did a nice yeah. job, like taking away uh, the weapons for as long as they could. I will say to though, hold on we to win. we always, you know. Give Andy Reid a lot of flack for his playoff resume. Um, I think he and Patrick Mahomes did a pretty... I mean, you saw it first half, they were stagnant with only seven points. That was the second time they've only scored... They scored under ten points and a half. The first time... Uh, that This year that it is, the first time was games week six against the Patriots. Um, but I think they bounced back really well. You know, they, they ended up putting up, what, uh, 24 points in the second half in which they bounced back tremendously in what looked like a terrible start. I mean, uh, if Tom Brady doesn't throw that pick uh, in the end zone early on, I, th- I was having flashbacks. I mean, the Chargers game, you know, where you just score a touchdown, get a yeah. stop, score another touchdown. And you just ended up, the score was way too much to overcome. But I think the Chiefs did a good job. 
Patrick Mahomes is extremely special as a player, and I think he he kind of uh, debuted some of his talent in a this must win game against the Patriots. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. Now he didn't look that great in the first half. Which yeah, definitely cost him being held like fourteen nothing in check. But I will agree with you the Andy Reid thing. The it wasn't its typical like Andy Reid yeah, and NFC like, champ or like championship game narrative or like with the Eagles he blew a couple. The yeah. one against the um, Titans. The, or the Colts, where they had that huge lead. Oh, and like yeah, yeah. Points, And then they blew it. They were reading all 44. over the place. Then they lost to the Titans, so they were up big. Alex Smith had, like, passing records in the first half. And then yeah. second half, they began reading all over the place and yeah. blew that one. This one, yeah, it definitely wasn't one of those games. That defense he was working with was atrocious. And they fired their defensive coordinator today. Yeah, so. which apparently it was... Uh, the, he was... Lack of substitutions was what was infuriating. Um... Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the the Patriots defense was really good in the first half, like we were saying. Patrick Mahomes didn't look comfortable. And I think that, you know, you can talk about cold, you can talk about his first uh, AFC championship game. But I think it just came down I, th- I think it just came down to the Patriots defense game planning better. And obviously they kind of worked their way around that eventually. But I mean you look at the Chiefs defense, they had the interception, um, after the weird like muff punt, did it touch his thumbs whole deal. Yeah. They got the interception and they had the fourth and one. Uh, and like the around the thirty, they stopped that. Chiefs defense made some plays. Uh, credit well, credit is due. And Mahomes did he like, late in the game when they needed him to be clutch. He was very clutch near the end of the game. Yeah, he, he was when they needed to. And shout out speaking of clutch to both kickers, Greg Zerline, yeah. and Harrison Butker, because I was rooting. Butker made I mean, his, which is a chip shot. All four games. Yeah, but like especially Greg Zerline at the end of his yeah. uh, fifty-seven yarder to win, and Johnny Hecker gets a little credit too on that snap. It was yeah. a bad snap, and they had a nice play, but that thing could have been good from sixty. He booted that. Yeah. One, so yeah, credit to him. And that's him just where that. I think that's just where I think that's how football should be. I hate when you know the narrative of a good game gets ruined by a bad kicker. And so, you know, credit to these teams. Cody yeah, Cody Park. I mean, that's a, the Bears game was a fantastic game. It was a good game. It was, uh, and just got ruined by and the whole narrative of the Cody Parky thing. And I'm, I'm glad we got two good championship games. Yeah. Because the playoffs this year really they haven't been great. They, they have not been great. And I thought, like, Wild Card Weekend, we had some of the best matchups I could remember, like, team-wise. And the yeah. only like, good game was the Bears-Eagles one. And then the Saints, Saints-Eagles was okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, and that's like, more of the ending that made it great. Yeah. It wasn't so... But yeah, we finally got two really good ones. Uh, yeah, so like, and that. Super Bowl should be good. Tom too. Brady has not been sacked uh, at all this playoffs. Yeah, he had a really That's clean huge. pocket. They get a, a lot of credit. Um, yeah, and I think it's 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 funny. There are some people out there that will say that Tom Brady vastly overrated and saw Bill Belichick. I think Tom Brady kind of, for whoever was still believing in that, put that to bed because some of the, I mean. The overtime drive, he had like what two, three third downs, and where he made really good throws uh, in order to keep the drive alive. And so it was just, I mean, we just got of It's kind of like uh, in soccer, you have like Messi versus Ronaldo, and everyone argues about it. And it's like a huge argument that all the fans have to have. But at some point, a couple guys are kind of like, let's just like appreciate that we get to witness this. And yeah. I think it's come to Patriots. Like whether you love them or you hate them, and I think like. Anyone who doesn't live in New England probably doesn't like them. Even like we're we're witnessing greatness that has never been seen in sports before. Really. It's true. Yeah. yeah, the way he operates that it really is something special to watch. And some of the throws that he made uh, late in that game were fantastic. I will say this though: everyone has the narrative that he's not throwing to any receivers, and that needs yeah. to stop. Julian Edelman, he's not a like tier one receiver, yeah. but he's a legit player. The one catch, there was like not, it was not the best throw from Tom Brady. It was a little bit under the throw behind him. He yeah. caught it, he hung on to it, and then took huge, two big hits. Yeah. He's a huge part in the, like, the rapport that he's grown with him and Hogan. I think he's got... He's I mean, Hogan Edelman's that, a legit receiver. That one-handed, like... That was a fantastic you want to debate, catch. I think it was a catch. They definitely caught it. It was fantastic. And it was... That was an amazing... Sony Michelle had a lot of really good catches. He's a legit uh, player, too. He is Rex very... Rex Burkhead, also. Nebraska out of the backfield. <laughs> that guy, he can score. He yeah, gets so amazing. I think, I think, so they got some piece to work with. Now, the offense, and I think it's nice, too, because they got the advantage. Tom Brady's like a coach on the field. Yeah. Just the way he knows defenses. So he always puts them in the best position yeah. to succeed. But they got... There's not like there's no talent he's working Yeah, especially... On. I think we show this a lot with Gronk. Because Gronk, he didn't have a very good game against the Chargers. I think like they kind of game plan for that. And then there's let other things things beat him but we always talk about Gronk as like a shell of himself and granted like he used to be easily one of the most dominant receivers in the NFL not just tight ends and I think he's you know maybe top five now as a tight end you can look 
But he showed out, and and like you were saying, they put him out wide on a DB where they can just throw it deep, and Gronk is just he has the yeah. massive size advantage. I will give him this. I think he might be one of the best blocking tight ends he in is. the NFL. Yeah. He's a great blocker, which not a lot of people give him credit for. He's a shell of himself receiving wise because yeah. all the injuries he's basically like crippled, but he can block. Yeah, he's a really good blocker. Well, that wraps up NFL. We'll have some more talking points later. Uh, going into some NBA as. Uh, we're talking about the Warriors. We're talking about Boogie Cousins. He's back. He had 14 points in his debut. And then recently against the Lakers, Clay Thompson was 10 for 10 for 3, which is some NBA record. Do you feel like the Warriors set a lot of three-point related NBA records every once in a while? Uh, but yeah, the Warriors, casual dominance once again, speaking of <laughs> Boogie, Patriots. I think, yeah, they definitely, he, re, he rejuvenated yeah. that team. Especially like, like his first possession, that kinda, dunk. Yeah, they kind of sleepwalk through the regular season. Now they get Boogie back. Like this yeah. team is... Uh, they could easily sweep their way yeah. to the uh, Western Conference Especially if they wanted the to. Teams they have to play. It's gonna be like the Nuggets, who I think are a good team, but they're very young. They're pretenders right now. Yeah, I think in a couple of years they'll they'll kind of make their mark. But I think the Nuggets, Thunder, Paul George is playing really well. I think they, that game goes to five, maybe. I don't trust Westbrook though, to be completely honest. The um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That, that I think that would be very entertaining. It would be one of the most entertaining sweeps that we've ever seen. I in the would playoffs. Be, I'd give you that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the the Warriors. Um, like we said against the Lakers. Speaking of the Lakers, LeBron missing more time uh, with this groin injury. Uh, I just said he'll be back by now. And yeah, he's still out. So that's interesting. I feel like the Lakers young core has done a good job though, for the most part. Eh, I mean, they lost to the Cavs. Yeah, that's they lost to the Knicks. Uh, I think they're the Bulls like, game was closer than it should have been. Yeah, so, uh, they haven't done that great. I'm I think they've been holding their. I don't because I mean, if you take a, off LeBron, I don't think this team is good at all. I don't know. There's a reason yeah. they finished as low as they did, uh, and I. Two things to take out of this: the one that ever there's all the Anthony Davis like trade talks. Yeah. If I'm the Pelicans and I'm have, and I'm trading Anthony Davis because he's probably gonna walk soon because it's get something from him. I'm trading him to the Celtics because they got some pieces that they yeah. could like, give me with like. Especially I don't want Brandon the, Ingram right now. Yeah, especially uh, it's Jalen Brown. Like an the, the whole feud with Kyrie, I believe it's is that Brown or Smart? I think it's. Uh, Brown. I think it's Jalen Brown. Yeah, I and know, I think he's a good feuding. player, but he always you know uh, feuding with Kyrie. But then, yeah, the LeBron thing, he's going to miss more time. He was – that one, like, I think we take for granted how how durable of a superstar he's been over his career yeah. that now that he's, like, missing some significant time for the first time in his career, it's like, oh, my goodness. It's like <laughs> yeah. a big deal, but it's yeah. not that big. Uh, the Bulls trade for Melo, and it was actually funny because before – the whole report that they're not going to actually like put him on the roster. They're going to re- release him. They just wanted some cash. I thought that would have been so much fun to watch. The Bulls with Carmelo Anthony playing for him. I mean, imagine how, how much more of a circus you can be. Now they just need like Rondo oh, on their team. Yeah, we had him for a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be a circus. He wouldn't boil him and bench him, though, for not playing defense. Yeah. Then they'd be on the bench complaining about minutes, and then oh, that would be it. Would be awful. The yeah. Bulls actually are smart though to get some cash out of it. Yeah, so good for so. them. Uh, also, wait, another quick thing here. That, this was from last week, and I don't think we talked about it. Kyrie Irving said he called LeBron because he was having some troubles leadership wise. Oh yeah, wise. leadership wise. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I think I, I think some strong opinions. It's uh. It shows a sign of maturity. I think it's kind of, and I, I will say for Kyrie, especially for him, who's like he's been one of the he's a great player. He's probably what won state championships in high school, then he goes to Duke, plays really well there. I mean, the dude can do no wrong, and he was the face of Cleveland for a while, and then he wins a ring with LeBron. The dude, I mean, he he can do no he. He has so many people looking up to him, and that's hard to do as an athlete when everyone kind of puts you on this pedestal to admit that you're wrong and admit that you messed up. Because I feel like you see a lot of players in the league who kind of like deflect blame onto other things. I think Antonio Brown is a good, uh, good example of that. We're not his play on the field, but where he, he's got these issues that he's not putting on himself. He's kind of throwing blame. We saw Antonio Brown with the tweet of like Emmanuel Sanders, like that has nothing to do with your situation, man. You're just making this about someone else, not about yourself. But I think to Kyrie just say, hey, you know what, uh, I messed up. Because he did mess up. He should know, he left the Cavs way too early. And I understand if you want to make your own, like if you want to be your own leader on a team, but he's too young. I feel like he's way too young to do that at this point. Well, yeah, okay, this is where I'm going to, yeah, the, the do no wrong thing, I completely disagree. He did wrong twice when he left two great, he left Mike Krzyzewski first at Duke. He could not get out of there fast enough. 
when he had the chance to really learn from one of the no, best not, basketball coaches. I'm saying, I'm saying, like, and see, not just the NBA and like basketball. If you're period. a college player though, and everyone is like, "Oh, you're so good, you can make it in the NBA," and if he kind of gets to your head, like, "Oh man, I am this really good player. Like, I want to keep going and keep going." And I think you saw it, a gradual progression. He wanted to, he wanted to. You play in college. I want to get the next level. I want to play in the NBA. He's playing the NBA. I want a ring. I want to, and he gets his ring. Uh, what's the next best thing? Like basically running your own team uh, as a player and being like the star of a franchise. Well, and that's what he wanted. Not only did he leave Mike Krzyzewski, then, which is fine. He wants to get paid. Whatever. You just left one of the best basketball coaches that you could have learned from and really improved. But all right, fine. Then you have one of the best basketball minds and the best player of all time, LeBron James, that you could talk to. Yeah, don't, all don't day. tell the Chicago fans oh, who watch yeah. the show, though. <laughs> yeah, you have him uh, right next to you, and you want to run out of town really quickly from that. Yeah, ridiculous. I mean, he wasn't ready to run his own team. I don't know why all these people are in such a hurry. To, I think he realized how nice it was because yeah. with LeBron, he could just show up and play. Yeah. Now he has ego. Well, LeBron had to manage egos, like score thirty. Now he has to like. Now he has to do all that, and he does yeah. orders. And if he's such a good leader, then I don't think he would have been telling everyone, "Hey, I called LeBron. Look how great of a leader I am." And that didn't need to be out public. There's no reason he had to make that public. We called him good for him. That shows some maturity. But there's no reason he needed to make that public. Yeah. That was more of like, "Hey, look at me. I'm mature," sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, mean, I was not. A I fan. think he was just kind of addressing his. Because there was a whole thing with, like, his pointing fingers, quote-unquote, uh, with uh, saying, like, all these young guys. And I think, yeah, I know, I totally agree. I, th- I don't think he made the right decision leaving LeBron, uh, especially for... Because this basketball is one of the only sports where, like, an individual can kind of make or break a team. I mean, we see this with the Lakers. We talk, we just talked about, like, their roster isn't great at LeBron. They can make a playoffs be like a three seed. Yeah. And I think, because, I mean, football, quarterback, quarter... You guys still got it. Defense, whatever. Um, but for basketball, you, you, he definitely could be a face of a franchise, whether you want to do that so early in your career. Because then if he, say he goes to, you know, another team like uh, the Rockets or something like that, I think that's kind of would be seen as a weak move. Like, dang, dude, you couldn't run your own team, so you're just going to run over and, you know, join some other superstar because you couldn't do it by yourself, which I think is a fair thing to say. But it, it's, it looks weak, and I think he, he kind of put himself in an inch in a tough spot here where he's going to need another star to kind of take it off his back. Perhaps. Well, moving on. Yeah, moving on. Soccer. Soccer. Uh, not many um, league-altering scorelines, but Wolves beat Leicester 4-3, to Liverpool beat Crystal Palace 4-3, to and Arsenal beat Chelsea 2-0, in which was an extremely entertaining uh, weekend for the Premier League. And this is where, look, man, a lot of people who never really give soccer a chance because it's boring... Uh, the, Wolves versus Leicester, Wolverhampton Wanderers, as uh, their official name is. They're like this doesn't really have any. It, it's it's the Bills versus the you know Cardinals of the NFL. Like it doesn't matter. But like these games have been so uh, exciting this year with all the goals that are being scored. And so just giving 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 soccer. I'm just gonna give soccer a little shout out. Um, as they, they've they've upped their uh, entertainment value. Also, Tim Howard. Uh, confirmed today that this will be his last season, hanging up the cleats, the boots, uh, in which he's had a fantastic career and, you know, just ripped to another U.S. soccer legend. Moving on to some baseball news. We already uh, talked about it, but Mariano Rivera's first ever unanimous Hall of Fame uh, with all 200-some, 400-some votes. can't remember how many Hall of Fame voters are there. Uh, he will be joined with Roy Halladay, rest in peace, uh, Edgar Martinez, and Mike Messina. Which is pretty good Hall of Fame class this year. It is a very good Hall of Fame class. Well, fun fact, Mariano Rivera, we said, first Hall of Famer ever in baseball to be mm-hmm. unanimously elected. And I think, I totally agree, he should be uh, unanimous yeah. with the query at best closer in baseball history. Yeah, it really oh, yeah. shocks me, though, because like, there's other players like Roberto Clemente, who I mm-hmm. think is one of the best of all time, wasn't voted in unanimous. Ken yeah. Williams, yeah. greatest hitter of all time, wasn't voted unanimous. So that's a pretty big deal for him. But another one... There have been more people to walk on the moon than there have been twelve than there have been to score earn runs on Mariano Rivera in the postseason. Only That's eleven crazy. to score, which is crazy to think about. He was yeah. so dominant in October. Uh, Martina Edgar Martinez, a fun fact for him, he signed for four thousand uh, dollars for his initial like contract and hit one seventy three in his first minor league season. And he didn't become he didn't get the opportunity to become a full time starter in the majors until he was twenty seven. And now he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Holiday was a late first round pick, but he was one so lost in the majors he had to go all the way back down to Class A 
to rebuild himself as a pitcher, and now he's a Hall of Famer. So yeah. there you go. And then Musa was an 11th round, 11th round draft pick uh, from Pennsylvania, and he went to Stanford University, so he's smart. Yeah. So there you go. So, there you go. so everyone all had persevering careers, but um, Musina was smart. There you go. Yep. And then we got some more 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 fun news, interesting news. So CubsCon he happened recently in oh, yes. which there was uh they had this little shtick where Ryan Dempster has like a late night show. It's, they have like Cubs players on. It's pretty funny. Um, and they were talking about Chris Bryant, and he, Chris Bryant was talking about uh, he's hanging out with Bryce Harper, but no, it wasn't about Bryce Harper. He's hanging out with Bryce Harper, and there was another friend there, a uh, player for the Cardinals, uh, who was kind of like uh, working his magic, uh, as Chris Bryant said, uh, to kind kind of like, you know, recruit uh, Bryce Harper. Which, right off the bat, like, if you're like a professional athlete who has another professional athlete friend, I feel like that's such a... That would be so lame if I had a friend who was, like, trying to recruit me to a team. Like, look, man, we're friends, but this isn't about baseball right now. But then they were talking about... And then they're, and then Chris Ryan kind of made, like, a, ugh, like, you want to play in St. Louis? And Ryan Dempster added to that where he was saying, like, yeah, like, when he was getting traded, they kind of brought up St. Louis. He's like, there's no chance to play in St. Louis. And they basically called it a boring city. Like, ugh, who want to play in St. Louis? Now, this, this has nothing to do with, like, the franchise. Uh, it was kind of just looking at like where you play, right? Especially because they were they were talking about like they play St. Louis so many times in St. Louis that you kind of get accustomed to the city. And Yadier Molina was mad online he about was that. Pissed. I mean, and you look. He made a, he made a, he said only stupid and lo- stupid players and losers make comments about other cities like that. And he he went on like an Instagram like tirade. When he made his own post, and then people were commenting, and he was commenting at everyone, whether they agreed or not, and kind of taking shots at, like, random people, in which, I think Chris Bryant, is he wrong? Okay, well, yeah, I, St. Louis, to be fair, is very, very boring. A, I it, went there it's once. It's the worst cities. You, you got the Arch, and then you got the Budweiser Factory, but when you're a player, it's not like you're going to be go touring the Budweiser Factory yeah. every week. Yeah, like there's the really I nothing to do. At night, everyone goes home, so there's no nightlife. It's basically yeah. a working city during the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got their one museum there yeah, the where you can climb museum. around the tunnels It's pretty stuff. cool. I've been there once. And if you're claustrophobic, though, you're not going to like that. Yeah, that's like, yeah, no, like, cool. But like, other than that... Also, if you're older, if you're above, like, 18 years, it's not cool. That museum. Yeah, it's fun once. Yeah. Once you know, <laughs> and then, yeah, basically... And, yeah, as a player, I I can see where he'd be saying, and even our friends yeah. that lived in Saint live in St. Louis, a lot of them from Bradley, like yeah, yeah, it's and they're like yeah, it's not great, but it's boring. And also to Chris Bryant's defense, you want players to have personalities and yeah. say their opinions. This is what we asked for, so that's what you got. He was yeah. giving an honest opinion. Hey, I don't want to play there, so I'm fine with him saying it. But I'm also fine with Yadier Molina, the city he plays for. He yeah. likes the fans and he likes the people there, defending his city, and I think he's great yeah. for the rivalry. So I don't, I really don't pick a side on this one because both of them, I think. Chris yeah. Bryant was just answering the question, honestly, yeah. which is what we want. And Yadier Molina was pissed, and I like that. He should yeah. be pissed. It was, just, city. it was just so funny, though. I feel like Chris Bryant, he, it was such an offhand comment. Like, he wasn't, like, making this, like, huge Well, yeah, he was about, asked about it. It's not like he came out. I was like, St. Yeah. Louis sucks. Yeah, like, and yeah. like, yeah. And then, and then, especially for, like, both these guys were like, yeah, like, I mean, you want to play there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I can see, it's kind of like saying, like, like, Cincinnati or Cleveland. Like Cincinnati's kind of nice. Yeah, Skyline, Cincinnati. Yeah. It's like Cleveland. City. They got the river. Yeah, but there's kind of nice. City. There's a lot it's of Cleveland. Yeah, I wouldn't play Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, no, Cleveland, no. Problem. But yeah, and so it, it was just it was very a very humorous. I just thought it was really funny how Mar- Mar- Molina, like the extent of his anger. Well, he should. Yeah, because he's lived there a while. Yeah, that's like his first. Is his first American city when he comes to the U.S. Yeah, it was actually really funny because uh, the Cubs. Uh, uh, signing Descalzio, uh, he kind of he played for the Cardinals right. and he uh, definitely it wasn't the same. It was someone asked him like, which is a better fan base? Um, and then he he like right off the bat was Cubs, and he hasn't even played for he hasn't. Well, I mean, you kind of have Cubs. to say I don't know. Cardinals fan base is pretty good. They got actual baseball fans over there in St. Louis. Not all these bandwagons. Okay, ban- I'm no. gonna Cubs fans since 2016. Okay, you, these you people can't... don't know the suffering that these actual Cubs fans yeah, have to go through. Everyone's just hopping on the bandwagon. When I'm not a commercial like you, I'm gonna let people enjoy sports. And anyone who likes baseball, who actually watch a baseball game, let's not take that for granted because baseball isn't the most popular sport in America. 
They don't watch baseball games, though. That's the thing. Most of these yeah, Cubs fans do. don't watch baseball games. They just went along for the parade because it was like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going downtown. Strikes again. Most, most of these people teams. aren't baseball oh, another, fans. Another Cardinals for... fans are baseball fans because they actually They're, watch and appreciate the game. Uh, you like this. Chris Bryan also said, someone asked him about the White Sox mascot, and he quote unquote said, they have a mascot, in which he was kind of showing some shade at your White Sox because they're irrelevant. Moving on. We've had a mascot longer than you guys have. Southpaw is a legend. All right, so for those of you who are Googling Southpaw right now, he's a big green thing. So yeah, really you know he has No one likes him. I like him. He, he is scares a... children, gives them nightmares. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Clark the Cub, and he doesn't wear any pants. That, the child wants to bury you have over there. Not even Winnie the Pooh. Well, you know what? Winnie That's an issue, so <laughs> put on some pants. Hashtag give Clark pants. Starting that trend. All right, yeah, we're gonna tweet that on <laughs> Twitter. Well, you know, no, we are gonna tweet that. And if you listen to this episode and have gotten to the forty-five minute mark where we said hashtag give Clark pants, then you can we'll tweet the happy. same thing. <laughs> Moving on, it's actually it's raining outside because it's not it's not cold enough for it to snow, which it's is a good thing. Cold outside though, because we have Ted Weekend cooling, and if it was that cold like it was recently, we'd be freezing here. We'd be dead. We would way too cold because Ted Weekend cooling doesn't really work that well. It does not. That's um, been the roads were terrible today. Driving they down, they were terrible. Well, I didn't five know. accidents. I saw five a truck accidents. tipped over. Yeah, I, well, we were like doing a, well, at least five, and it was like oh, people driven off the road how too. How long did it? How long was the drive? About I want to say like. Two and a half, three hours. Oh, this wasn't terrible. So that wasn't as bad as it usually is. Like, like, people were definitely going was Rooney, That was long. Yeah, that traffic was worse for that one yeah. than it was for this one because it was the roads really were bad. But it was yeah. a lot of act- there was a truck tipped over on the side. It was it was crazy. Hate to see. Hate to see. Anyway, you're hot. My hot is uh, Tony Romo. Yeah, he just got named to the Super Bowl to one of the broadcasters, and he did a fantastic job. Yeah. predicting plays. Yeah, it was so he awesome. called almost like the end of it. He was like, "Oh, that, they're gonna motion. He's gonna motion him here and run it outside." They, that's what they did. Yeah, and he was like, "Gronk's one I want. If the safety comes up, they're gonna throw it to him." That's yeah. what they did. And there was that, one where he's like, "Oh, they're gonna do a QB sneak. Oh, Tom Brady's killing it. They're gonna motion to the right, run out wide, like you're saying." Yeah, I was actually uh, Tony Romo actually, and he also like he just loves the game of football so much. He gets like yeah. excited when something cool happens. Where it's not like because I feel like Joe Buck, whether you love him or hate him, he has a. It, in, in my opinion, he has a little um, artificial excitement, where he just kind of he just kind of like makes the call really dramatic. But I feel like he doesn't really care. Yeah, I could go with that. I think Joe Brock's a tremendous commentator. Yeah, um, I'm in the minority there, but yeah, I actually do agree with you. There's sometimes he does, yeah. especially in the World Series, his baseball announcing. It's like, yeah. and there's a base hit. He's like yeah. way overexcited. Where he yeah, he's not like, excited. It's like, my hot, you know, Jeff Fisher. Because it's actually funny. He was the coach of the Rams two years ago yes. with this roster. Uh, He's now fishing somewhere in the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, there you go. And he, uh, you know, we all call him crazy and he's a terrible coach because he said he's not going 7-9. He's proceeded to go 7-9 every year. But you know what? The Rams won with the Jeff Fisher approach. Play defense, kick lots of field goals, underutilized Todd Gurley. So maybe he's not so stupid after all. There, there you go. go. <laughs> Uh, my not hot. My not hot. So this is a bizarre story. So for those of you who don't follow soccer, Jose Mourinho. If you think there are divas in the NFL, which there is, which there is, you should go to soccer because the world of soccer is filled with players who think they're bigger than the club, which may or may not be true for some. Uh, but Honestly, jo- I do think that is true. Yeah, Ronaldo's definitely bigger. Than oh, he's bigger than Juventus. Was, and he's, he's bigger, bigger than, than Juventus. Yeah. Um, but if you go, so Jose Mourinho is one of the most diva coaches uh, ever. And basically, go back to 2004 in a Champions League, he was the coach uh, at Chelsea. Uh, I believe they lost to Barcelona, I think it was. But basically, he made allegations, serious allegations, that there was a referee conspiracy where a referee went into the opponent play, opponent team's uh, dressing room. And there was conspiracy there. The referee who was accused of this actually was forced into early retirement. Because the, the, these allegations were so serious and his reputation never recovered, but it turns out it wasn't true. And that he, this, they didn't happen, the, the whatever uh, was accused didn't happen. And Jose Mourinho got a two match ban where he said he wasn't even allowed to be on stadium grounds. So the following year in 2005, I believe it was against Bayern Munich uh, for Chelsea, he was asked about this. And basically, the, the story was, and this was kind of legend, but the story was that you could see the goalkeeper coach. 
kind of uh, going in before halftime and before the game and going into the locker room and coming out with like a page of notes. Now, granted, he was not even he was not allowed to contact any of his coaches and he was not allowed to be on stadium grounds. And people were like getting a little fishy about this. And apparently, he was asked about this. Here's a quote. I just wanted to be in the dressing room when the players arrived. So I go there. No one sees me. The problem to leave after was, was to leaving after. The UEFA guys are there desperate to find me. So there. I, so I, when, I, when I was there, Stuart, Chelsea's kit man, closed a laundry bag, box and I hopped in. I couldn't breathe. Uh, when he opened the box, I was dying. I'm serious. I was close to dying. I'm serious. I promise. It's true. It's true. Because they asked him. The legend was that he hid in a laundry basket and they wheeled him into the stadium before the game and during halftime so he could talk to his team and pass notes to his coach. And it actually was true. Wild. I mean, imagine, like, Bill Belichick hopping in a laundry basket when he's not even allowed there. And he's nah, like, he'd do it. He would do it. Oh, definitely. That, that's It was crazy. And it was true. So there you go. That's uh, Jose Mourinho. And he wow. said he was almost suffocating in there. So. Mine is D Ford, and no, not the 6'2", 250-pound outside linebacker that lined up offsides late in the AFC Championship game, and a flag was, call- flag was called, and it extended the Patriots' drive, which eventually went on to win the Super Bowl. So yeah. not him, although he's not either. Uh, <laughs> D Ford in England. Why, you may ask, because D Ford got a lot of tweets uh, waking up in the morning from a bunch of angry well, Chiefs fans. Happy. And yeah, yeah they, they were not happy, and here's a couple of them. And she was replying to them, and they were they were pretty funny, so props to her. But she woke up, and one's like, that's on you, D Ford. You can't line up offsides. They learned that in Pee Wee. Terrible. And then she responded, in England, we learned proper football. I bet you couldn't do it, even in Pee Wee. There was <laughs> another one. Thanks, D Ford, for being offsides in regulation game. You would have... Offsides in regulation. You would have been going to the effing Super Bowl. Oh, please, if you're going to swear, spell it properly, responded D. And then the other one... <laughs> You took food from my family's mouth tonight because you couldn't get your 300-pound ass on your side. 300 pounds? How dare you, sir? <laughs> and another one. You ruined my whole year, D. Ford. I hope your ugly wife uh, in your um, PFP leaves you. His whole year ruined? His whole year? Please. D's not married Not married me. I'm in the market for other Auburn men. Not you. Your, personal, your personality is uglier. So... <laughs> Props to her for responding to this. That's happened a couple this. times where like players have the same names, and you just do like a quick Twitter search and you find them and just shoot your horribly nasty tweet at them. <laughs> yeah. There's the thing with Cody Parkey too. Eagles fans are Venmoing them. Yes, so and a bunch of fans started creating dude. like yeah Venmos of Cody Parkey where they're yeah. getting a bunch of free free beer money from Eagles fans. So there, yeah, you, there go. you go. Uh, here's our hot take section, in which we've already covered most of the uh, drama that has happened around. Uh, these two playoff games, but uh, going to going to talk both these games. This is the first time both AFC and NFC championships have gone to overtime, and a lot of people were talking about uh, is the NFL overtime system uh, not how it should be? Uh, in which I'll, I'll, I'll let let you go first. What do you think should be done about the NFL overtime system? I do think it's bad for the NFL to have your MVP not being able allowed to touch yeah. the field in overtime. That being said, if it was reversed and Mahomes got the ball first and marched all the way downfield, nobody would be talking about this. This is all because America hates the Patriots outside of New England and they won because of this rule. So that's why people are complaining about it. But I do think college overtime is a lot more fair and it's a better way to decide yeah. a football game. A regulation, regular season play fine, but for the playoffs, I think you do need to let both teams get a chance yeah. just to score. But now, now, mind you, this is, this is just like the uh, Rams thing. Like The overtime rule is not why they lost. The defense had yeah. plenty of chances. D4 lined up offsides. They had plenty of chances to get off the field, and Blue England just marched right down yeah. the field and took advantage of it. A quick stat for you. Overtime law, coin toss winner winning position. NFL is 52.7%. College football is 54.9%. So there's not a whole huge disparity there. That's uh, true. In which I, I definitely think they did good changing the whole field goal thing. Because I think keep just getting a field goal, that's totally bogus. I mean, yeah. you get a good return, go get like 25 yards, which is not that difficult, and they kick a field goal. Um, but yeah, I just think like from a purely entertainment standpoint, whether it's fair or not, like I think all of America would have wanted to see Patrick Mahomes get a chance, you know. And oh, I think I sure. think I mean the Super Bowl against the Falcons. No, obviously it's not the reason they lost because they blew a what twenty four to three lead. Uh, 
But like twenty eight, yeah. It was so anticlimactic. Like they just drive down the field, do a pitch, touchdown, game over. You right. know, like it was. That's like that has to be the lamest form of a walk off there is in sports. Where it's just like because then the other team just sits there and they watch it happen and then they can't do anything about it. You know. Right. Um, and so yeah, just from a purely entertainment standpoint, I, I think I don't know if a college one would work. Uh, some but, form though, like yeah, yeah some form of like maybe it's not on the twenty five, you know, where it's like each team like kickoff, they each have to get a kickoff at least, you know, like no matter in, what happens. Yeah, and I think like in hockey, where in the regular season you have the shootout if it's not decided after. Yeah, like, you have three on three and then a shootout. So in regular regular season play, if you want to do the current overtime rules, that's fine. I'd be all for that. But I think yeah. in the playoffs, they like like they do in hockey, you gotta switch. Yeah, because I mean the shootout like it's not the greatest way. I mean it's I think it's a pretty bad. D- way to Wait, determine who is a better team. Right. Because, like, it, it really doesn't come down to that much skill. It comes down to literally four different players on a team. Right. Uh, but I think, uh, but then they say, you know what, yeah, and NHL said, yeah, that's right, we're doing that just for, like, sake of uh, players' health. You, you can't have these long overtime periods in a regular season schedule. Um, and so, but the playoffs such higher stakes, you got to change it. And so where it's just literally just a better team has to win. Right. And they have to perform. In which, and I understand the point that, like, hey, one a defense has to step up, but I I feel like winning with a average defense and a better offense is going to be the new NFL. I mean, we're we're clearly seeing like offense is just outweighing defense by a large amount mm-hmm. in the NFL, and it's going to get even more like that. And so, where you have to have one defense make one stop on a drive, like I just don't think that's realistic for the way the NFL is trending. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that that I think. I mean, honestly, though, college overtime. Is one of the best things in sports. Like, I, like, it is exciting. Yeah, like because there, there are games. There are games where I literally because I don't I don't care about college football to be honest. Like I don't have like a favorite team or anything like that. Um, so I'll pretty much only watch like the bowl games. But if I see a regular season game, even against two unranked teams, if I see overtime, oh, I'm turning it on because you're gonna get some entertainment value out of that. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean the TCU game. Uh, where it went to what, like seven overtimes? Oh, that was um, LSU or and, LSU, yeah, Texas A&M, yeah. Where it's like, I mean, that's it's, it's pretty crazy. bad football, but it was so much. Oh, fun it was so to exciting! Watch. My I went to a Nebraska Wisconsin game up in Wisconsin, and it was a fantastic game. They're both ranked at the time. It went to overtime, and Wisconsin scored on the opening opening drive, and then they so they they scored, and then they missed the extra point. It's all Nebraska had to do because they had a really good kicker at the time was score, yeah. and then uh, they came up the. Uh, they had this dramatic stop, uh, Wisconsin, and they held on to win. And it was like even as a Nebraska yeah. fan, like it was a fantastic en- uh, ending for it. So yeah. I do think you create a little bit more exciting plays because you have like these game on the line, like game and like where you said like that game could have ended on any play, and it's like anticlimactic with yeah. the score. Or college overtime is like drawn out, like oh this yeah. is it, like because you're because you're either gonna to get a scoring like a really cool scoring play walk off. Or you get because defensive, defensive stops. stops are really fun. Yeah, like I mean the fourth and one, you, you got that crowd going yeah. wild, and then they they make a great play. Uh, speaking of entertainment value, I mentioned I mentioned this earlier. The whole it's very stupid. It shouldn't happen, and it won't happen. But the whole like replaying the uh, Rams Saints game, uh, where like technically, actually, it's very interesting in the rule in the NFL rules, they could redo it. Like there's grounds to. Uh, they shouldn't, and I think that's pretty outdated. They, there's probably where there are more egregious uh, officiating errors with, you know, like betting and stuff like that. Um, but it, if they replayed this game, which they shouldn't, they won't, it would probably be the best NFL game. Or it would, it would be like a top 10 NFL game, I think. Ratings-wise, I think it would. And it would be so dramatic. Game. I think the Saints, would, the Saints would win that handily. Because the crowd would be amped up with the motion, so yeah. it'd be like as loud as it was, but for the whole game, yeah. they'd have another chance at it. Yeah, I, I the think Rams would be demoralized because they were literally just in the Super Bowl a couple days over. They would get steamrolled in that happened, and it shouldn't happen. I mean, it would be one thing, which I still don't think it would like it should happen because mistakes by the refs are like a thing in sports. It'd be one thing though if it's like back and forth and it's like even the whole game, like, yeah. You know. But like this was, they had a lead, they blew it. The better team clearly won. They do yeah. not deserve a review of that. So you Saints fans, yeah. you can go shove it with your lawsuits, well, you bunch of babies. I'm not. I may not be as good as a closer as Mariano Rivera, but I'll do my best for this closing rant. Um, anyone who picked the Patriots to lose against the Chargers or even the Chiefs are idiots. Yes, and my bad. should not be given 
the grounds to call themselves a sports analyst. And not just us. A lot of people did it. But those people also, you shouldn't give them too much blame, right? And this is just the enigma that was the Patriots season this year. To be fair to that last comment, though, I was 2-0 this week. Just throwing yeah. that out there. So I did I, pick them this week. Like I redeemed myself. Hey, I was 1-1, one one, but it was You like, picked them too. So you it, was, it was a close. We redeemed it was, ourselves. It was a coin toss for me in the Saints Rams. But like I was saying, if you look at the the regular season for the Patriots, it was a complete lie and misrepresentation of what this team actually stands for and is and how they play. If you look at their five losses this year, they lost to the Lions 26 to 10, and the Lions were not a good team, not good this year at all. They lost to the Jags 31-20, and early in the season we said, okay, the Jags, you know, they 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 were pretty good last year. They they could still could be good. They were not good this year. Spoiler alert. And they lose to the Titans 34 to 10. Now, granted, they only put up 10, 20, and 10 points in these games. Then there was now this one, the Miami miracle, quote unquote, against the Dolphins. That was just kind of a fluke. But then the Steelers, they lost 17-10, only scored 10 points. They only scored 10 points in three of their losses. In which you say, man, this team is is they're they're too old. And they're too, Tom Brady's too old, and he's lost his touch. They don't have any receivers. Josh Gordon was pretty good, but he's not the same player he used to be. And then he got kicked off the team, and Gronk has had too many injuries, and their defense lost their defensive coordinator. So they just threw some other guy, Flores, in there to fill the gap. And if you, like, based on the regular season, this team doesn't look that great. And so for all of us choosing them to beat the Chargers, or to lose the Chargers, in which they backed into the playoffs by barely beating the Bills and then playing the Jets of all teams, in which Tom Brady arguably looked, arguably looked the worst he has in years. It's pretty decent grounds to say, you know, maybe the Chargers have a chance. Like Mitch is saying, they have a pretty good roster, the top to bottom. They have a, they have a deep defense. They've got a good running game. They've got good weapons. Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. But we were missing it all along. The Patriots and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, they don't lose in the playoffs. I think that comes down to mentality and the coaching discipline that they have. I mean, even in the offseason, Bill Belichick is cutthroat. Like Mitch was saying, we've said it, he has right before, uh, getting rid of a player a year early rather than two years too late. Yep. The discipline that this team has, in which other franchises can't say they do, Bears didn't have it with Cody Parkey. They need to be they need to be cutthroat with him. And when you can talk about the money, but it lost him a playoff game. Bill Belichick's not going to do that. And they don't lose in the playoffs. If you look at the teams they've been playing past couple years, sometimes the roster wise, you can say, dang, like the Eagles have or not the Eagles because they did beat the Eagles, but the Falcons have better receivers than them. They got Matt Ryan. He's Hall of Fame quarterback. Falcons were a better roster. They were a better roster. Chiefs were a better roster. Chiefs were definitely a better roster. Yeah. And, but there was no doubt in my mind the Patriots are going to win this game because that's what they do. Somehow, some way, the chips are going to fall right and they're going to win this game. But while we can't root them for against teams like this in the playoffs, the Los Angeles Rams, and I'm not making my prediction now, and we're not going to do that for a while, but they, this team, I believe, really, truly has a shot. If you look at the last two losses the Patriots have suffered in the playoffs, came to the Eagles last year and the Broncos in 2015, in which in which teams that roster-wise, Broncos offense no in 2015 was not even close to being like one of the best you know, 15 offenses in the NFL. And the, the Eagles roster didn't look great compared to the Patriots. But the coaching and the talent that these two teams have, which the Rams can reproduce with Sean McVay and the playmakers they have, where, look, you might get... Bill Belichick might scheme you out, but if you can cover Julian Edelman one-on-one, if you can get at pass rushers to get off the edge and get to Tom Brady, and if you can close down the run game, in which those are just talent plays where it comes down to technique and who wants it more, those teams can win. Broncos did it in 2015. Eagles did it last year. And while we're all dumb for betting against the Patriots, uh, the Rams could do it in the Super Bowl. In which, that kind of closed out my rant, but I think the amount of people who are making surefire locks on the Chiefs I don't know. I don't know how much stock I'm gonna give you can't them. Make it out. I mean, if you look, and it was a lot. It was Max Kellerman. Uh, I think um, the right, 
Nick Wright. Uh, yeah, Nick Wright, who I think makes a lot of bad takes in sports, but he was saying that the, the Chiefs were an obvious lock to win this game. And Max Kellerman said that Tom Brady got lucky just because he wanted to defend his take. But I think people betting against the Patriots so much, I you know, it's so foolish for them to do that. And then here we are. We're all look kind of dumb. Yeah. Well, that now. And further losses for most of those teams, because they won all their big games they had yeah. this year. They beat the Chiefs. Besides the Steelers one. That was a big yeah. one they lost. That was, besides that one, though, they beat the Chiefs. Be the Vikings, they beat the Vikings, they beat the Packers, they beat the Bears on the road. So and like the games they lost were against like the Jaguars. That was like their Super Bowl in the middle yeah. of the season. So like they were playing all out. They always get other teams' best performances. So yeah, bad. they make the division. Everyone talks about the Jets and how bad their division is, but the Jets and Dolphins both, if you take out all the Patriots games, are both over five hundred in the Patriots dynasty span. If you take out the, all the losses of the Patriots, the Patriots make that division dysfunctional. Tom Brady yeah. so. Yeah, yeah I just thought it was extremely interesting to see the Jekyll and Hyde. Because, I mean, you, you, there's one way to, like, like you were saying, the Saints can win, like, a game and kind of be scrappy and back into a win like they did against the Eagles. They were, the, the Patriots have been convincing these last two games. And I think the Super Bowl, uh, while I think a Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl would have been easily the most entertainment, most entertainment-wise, you know. Good God. Be, yeah, Mitch, Mitch is having nightmare, nightmares about that. More See, touched or more, more points tack- than yeah. tackled or something crazy like that. But yeah, there you go. And we'll, we'll definitely next week uh, during the Pro Bowl, because God knows we're not going to talk about the Pro Bowl, uh, we'll be covering some coaching changes and then yeah. we'll give our Super Bowl we'll, picks. We'll have, yeah. yeah. But that wraps up uh, today's podcast. We'll get this out. Uh, thanks for coming by. Thanks for listening in. Uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, podcast DRD. Uh, we're tweeting memes. We're getting a following there. Uh, Thanks for listening. See you next time.